Christmas, family. Wow, I can feel the love. Um, my name is Justin. There we go. Thanks, Deanne. Uh, so if you guys are good at noticing patterns, um, we had no idea. Our wives set us up to this. Um, and I'm dead serious. There's six or seven of us. Uh, Pastor Ross was here at the 11 and gave the offering spiel, and he looked a lot like me, but just taller and thinner. Um, they, my wife just said, hey, Justin, here's a new outfit that we're going to kind of wear as a family. You know, this new outfit, take pictures. I'm like, great, sweetheart, whatever you say. I trust you. <laughs> and now here we are. I've learned my lesson, right? We all look like a bunch, like a pastor boy band or something. <laughs> Unbelievable. So... Sweet to spend Christmas Eve with you all here. We're glad you're here. Um, I want to talk a little bit this morning about uh, this newborn king that we just sang about and, and, and then his coming back as well. Uh, the year is 2011. I'm coaching basketball at Cook Inlet Academy, getting along with the referees as always. And we are playing against the Unalaska Raiders up from the Aleutian Islands, and we're losing by a lot. Uh, it looked bleak. It was a bleak midwinter. Uh, it looked dark. Our team was awful. Uh, and the game seemed to be over. Uh, but little did we know that we were about to pull off the greatest comeback in Cook Island Academy basketball history. Uh, fourth quarter, everything just starts to go our way. Some turnovers here, uh, steals there, a couple three-pointers. And all of a sudden, we're down by one point. And that's when it happened. The most terrifying moment in my life. The ball pops loose, falls into one of our hands, the, the hands of one of our players, Cody. There's nothing left between Cody and the basket but some air. There's five seconds left on the clock. All that Cody has to do is make a layup and we win the game. So let's talk about Cody for a second. <laughs> You're familiar with Michael Jordan, right? Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Cody's like those guys, except the exact opposite. Uh, <laughs> Cody has a lot of things going for him, nice, smart, funny, but there was not an athletic bone in that boy's body. And so Cody picks up the ball and starts running. I had one more joke in there that my wife made me take out after the 11, so sorry, you don't get that one. But um, still, all Cody has to do is make a wide open layup, and we win the game. The greatest comeback is complete. But for some mysterious reason, and experts are still looking into this, he stops 15 feet away from the basket at the free throw line, he just picks up his dribble. And I'm there on the, on the sideline going, what are you doing? Right? Instead of going all the way to the basket, like a normal human basketball player, uh, he, he make the easiest shot in the game, a layup, he decides to shoot a much harder 15-foot jump shot. Now, I, along with the entire gym, are watching the trajectory of this ball in the air for what feels like 23 or 24 years, and... <laughs> I'm going, Cody, you blew it. You're off the team. You're dead to me. Curses on your family. Then, then, oh! And it goes through the hoop, and we, we win. And I go, I knew it. I trusted him the whole time, right? We dogpile Cody on the middle, in the middle of the floor, and we did it. We just pulled off the greatest comeback in Cook Inlet Academy basketball history, an achievement, if there ever was one, right? It, it's, it's Christmas Eve, and... I want, how many kids are excited for Christmas Day tomorrow? You guys ready? All jacked up. Oh, man. All right. Adults, or how many of you finished all your Christmas shopping? I, 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 good job. I, I wish there was more hands up. Uh, we, it's Sunday and it's Christmas Eve, right? So North Country Fair is not opening back up again for you. 
I'm on good, good information that it closed at 2. Um, I got someone to text me again from the 11. Um, there's joy and excitement in the air on Christmas Eve. But then Christmas can also be a dark season. Right? Literally, so we're three days away from the solstice. But also spiritually and emotionally, right? We, we sing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And, and, but we also know that for many different reasons, this can also be one of the worst times of the year. Maybe it's underlining the loss of a loved one. Maybe there is a family feud going on. It might be loneliness, addiction that's being battled, depression, anxiety, bitterness. And on this silent night as we sing, it might feel like anything but calm and bright in your home or in your heart. And we look around like at the world today, and it can feel like the fourth quarter of that game against Alaska, right? It can look like game over. And we look at a world ravaged by war and, and all sorts of political and domestic chaos. It, it can look like there's no way to win. And this is the world that 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ entered into. And the, and the text we want to peek into this morning is Philippians chapter 2. Maybe not the Christmas text you would expect, but we see Christmas all over this thing. Paul says, adapt the same attitude of that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, and here's what we celebrate tomorrow, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus comes on a rescue mission as a baby, grows up, and gets murdered. It looks like Jesus blew it, right? It looks like Cody in the fourth quarter, game over. But what looked like certain death becomes come back from the dead victory. Because the passage goes on, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. At Christmas, we celebrate what we call Jesus' advent. You probably heard that word. It simply means coming or arrival. Last week, one of our elders, Paul, spoke, and he crushed it, by the way. Man, he, he, Paul did a great job. And he talked about in Luke 2 that um, the, the shepherds, they, they were sent with this message. And he said, we, like those shepherds, are, are sent with these, these great tidings of, of good news to go into the world with, announcing not only has the king come to save us, but he's coming back one day to reign as king for, forever. And so here on Christmas Eve, I just want us to take a, a few minutes we're going to be a little bit shorter today, about two-thirds of my normal sermon length. It'll be inside of an hour, right? We know the kids are with us, and some of you guys are already, like, stressing big time. Danny said there's a cry room back there, so it's cool. We want to look at his first coming in light of that second coming, the second advent that we're all looking forward to, which will be the greatest comeback in human history. Two things that I see from this text about his first coming in a second. First of all, Jesus came as a human, and he will come back as a human. One of the central wonders that we're celebrating this weekend is that Jesus came in the form of a man. This is what he said in verse 7. Paul says, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. I love the way this lesser-known Christmas hymn puts it. It's called, Come and Stand Amazed, what it called you. Uh, go check it out. 
the full version, but he says, see God's gift, this newborn child. And then I love the way that they wrestle, this poetic wrestling of the paradox at Christmas, that the eternal God would become a finite human. It says, see the mighty, weak and tender, a little manger. See the word who now is mute. See the sovereign without splendor. See the fullness destitute. See, God is born a human. Jesus had a body. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Like Jesus had toenails. Jesus pooped. I don't know if I can say that in church, but I just did, right? And so kids, you think about that for a second. Kids, you got body parts too. Like show me your thumbs. I'll see all your thumbs. There's some thumbs. Show me your ears. All right, show me your tongue. Don't stick your tongue out in church. That's not good, right? Sorry, I set you up for that. Jesus pooped. Have you pooped today? No, let's not <laughs> go there, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's going out at the 3.30. Yeah. We're going to whittle this down. This is going to be a three-minute sermon by the, by the last. <laughs> but man, just as mind-blowing as the fact that Jesus had those things, listen, Jesus has those things. That Jesus didn't just come as a human the first time. He's coming back as a, as a human. And one of the aspects of Jesus' sacrifice, of becoming a human, dying a human, is that our best understanding from Scripture is that he rose again as a human, he stayed a human, and he's coming back as a human. Philippians, or excuse me, Acts 1 says, the angels were telling the disciples, someday he will return from heaven. How? In the same way you saw him go. He left as a human, and he's coming back fully embodied. Colossians 1 says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. Not, not was, he is to this day. And, and Paul says to Timothy, there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ, the human, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is going to come back. He doesn't stay up there floating in a, as a spirit in the heavens forever. He's going to come back as the real physical king. And I love in Zechariah, Zechariah 14, he says that Jesus is going to come and his actual feet will stir up actual dust on the Mount of Olives. That Jesus is going to sit on an earthly throne in physical Jerusalem and reign over physical earth forever. And the implications of this are enormous. Because if those who have placed their faith in Christ are one with him, that means Jesus' destiny is our destiny too. I thought about this in sobering terms this holiday season. On December 6th, we lost a dear sister, Sheila Isaac. Her spirit left her body to be present with the living hope, her living hope. Her husband, James, was talking to me the days approaching Sheila's death, and he said that they were looking, they had just retired, and they were looking forward to that phase of their life together here on earth. One of their favorite things is to collect rocks on the beach, to travel the world collecting rocks, enjoying this season of life together. And out of nowhere, she contracts a super rare brain disease, and within three months, she dies. Now, of course, we grieve the loss of our dear sister, a friend, a wife, a mother. But is this hopeless grieving? When, when we think of Jesus returning with a, a physical body to physical earth, I don't know about you, but it gives me a more three-dimensional hope and joy of what is to come. Sheila and James will get that opportunity to travel the world as brother and sister in Christ to explore every nook and cranny of this new heavens and new earth. It's going to be a better version. They're not just going to be beachcombing. They're going to be beachcombing with Jesus, right? 
He'll probably show off, walk on the water, like, okay, Jesus, right? We will be raised physically just like Jesus was. Brothers and sisters, this is our resurrection hope. This is what Paul says in Philippians 3. He says, we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Second advent. And look at what Paul says. Here's the promise. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. We're going to be raised with bodies that don't get brain diseases any longer. That never wear down or die again. And maybe this Christmas season finds you in a dark place. My prayer is that this resurrection hope would stir your heart to the reality that the best, guys, the best by far is yet to come. We have a living hope, a fully embodied living Savior. And just like those shepherds, we're going to get to one day look Jesus in the eyeballs and see him smiling back at us. But not as a baby wrapped up in swaddling clothes, this time royally robed as the king which takes us to the second thing we see from this text. He came the first time as a silent lamb, but he's coming back as a roaring lion. So kids, I need your help again. I need you to tell me about the, the most pow- who's the most powerful or strongest person, and this could be real or imaginary, that you know. Who's, give me some examples. Daddy, yeah, you're angling for some presents, buddy. What else? God, all right, probably a pastor's kid back there. What else? Jesus, okay, anybody got a... I just, we've just discipled you too well, right? I thought someone would say Iron Man, but whatever. Um, when, we, when Jesus came on his rescue mission, he didn't come as a Marvel superhero, right? He didn't come as the general of a large army. How, how did he come to, to save mankind? Like he came as a fragile baby. And then you go, this is, your, this is your rescue plan, God? A defenseless child? Like, does he have nunchucks in the, in the swaddling clothes or something? Like, what's the plan here, right? But this baby then grows up to become a man. And what do we see? This, again, he doesn't build an army. He comes with a simple message. He says, I, I'm the king. I'm, I'm God in the flesh. And I'm come, I've come to save sinners. I've come to teach you to love one another. And his people, they killed him for that message. It looked like in that moment, sin and death had defeated him. And this is what Paul says in, in verse 8. He says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to his father's will. To the point of death, even the scandalous death on a cross. But three days later, just like Cody's ill-advised jump shot, we see the greatest comeback in human history. And I love the way that the song Living Hope sings this part. It says, then came the morning. That sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. And I won't do the Phil Wickham whoa, whoa, whoa's, but you know what's coming. Verse 9 says he didn't stay dead in, in the tomb. For this reason, God, because he'd achieved victory, because it was finished, because he conquered the, the grave and sin and death, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. See, Jesus was exalted on the cross as Savior, then he was exalted from the grave as the living king forever 
to be given the name, he says, that is above all names. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And right now, he, right now, he is the living, reigning king. And you look around in our context today, and it might not feel like he's reigning. It might feel more like that fourth quarter. We're getting whomped by Unalaska. Cody's barreling toward the hoop with no hope. As we read the, no, the news, or scroll through the news, or however we do that now, it might feel like darkness is winning, like sin and chaos. Maybe it's raining in your own heart, in your home, in our community, on this planet. It might feel like game over. But in the greatest comeback in human history, King Jesus will set up, will set up his throne on earth as it currently is in heaven. Amen? And on that day, our passage concludes, it says, so that, here's the reason he exalted him, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee, and here's your promise word, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every knee, right? And every tongue, other promise word, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus had two advents, first one we're celebrating tomorrow. His first advent, he came as a silent lamb being led to the slaughter. Sure looked like defeat. Comes in an obscure cave, in a dirty manger seen by a couple of shepherds. And relative obscurity, right? Like Jesus, scholars say that he probably didn't leave a 50-mile radius of his hometown his entire 33 years. You know, what impact could that make? But we know if he came the first time as a lion... He's going to come back, or excuse me, a lamb, a silent lamb. He's going to come back the second time as a roaring lion. He's the king of all the earth. And every tongue, every tribe, every nation will behold him. In fact, Revelation 1 says, look, he's coming with the, cl- the, cl- the clouds. And which eye will see him? It says every eye, every eye will behold him in all of the glory that he is. And I love in Isaiah when the prophet is riffing on what this new day will look like when the prince of peace finally reigns. In Isaiah 9, he says his government, his rule, and that peace, he's going to rule with peace. It will never end. In that day, he says, the wolf and the lamb will live together. This is harmony. And nothing will hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord, who love the Lord, who worship Jesus as Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne, the lion of Judah, will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him. We're going to run to his side. And the land where he lives will be a glorious place. Come, Lord Jesus. We're going to conclude this service with with one of my favorite songs at Christmas, Joy to the World. But, you know, Joy to the World is actually about his second advent, not his first, primarily. And you hear the words, let earth receive her king. This is a call for each of us to receive our king and for every heart in this room to prepare him room. Why? Because as far as that curse is found, and it's found far today, is it not? His blessings we sing will flow far as that curse is found. Amen. And he will rule the world. He's going to rule. He's the good king who will rule with truth and with grace. This is the truth that we claim. But, but listen, his second coming is only going to be joyful to our hearts if we believe that he came the first time. To die for our sin and to raise for our new life. For every tongue to confess that Jesus is Savior. Every knee to bow to him as the king. 
So as we close, I just want to ask each of us to examine our hearts and to look at if we've prepared room for him that he didn't have right at the end, right? Does he have it in our hearts? And this is the way, this is the call that Paul makes, the close of, of his section here. That Jesus died, rose again, has, been, has ascended to be exalted over all. And then he says, therefore, if that's true, he says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, talking to believers, so now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So I want to talk to two different people in this room as we, as we close. First, I want to talk to the believer, to my brother or sister in Christ, the followers of Jesus in this room. Maybe, maybe it feels like the fourth quarter in your life right now and you're down big time. It's a blowout and you don't feel like you've got any shot. You've done some things in your life. You've got some brokenness. You've got corners of chaos that other people don't even know about. And it feels like there's no way forward. There's no way we win this game. We look back to that first coming when the Lamb of God bled and died in your place. And what did he say? He said, it is finished. That, that by his wounds, you were healed, right? By his rejection from the Father as the weight of the sin, the, the sin of the world is on his shoulders. He received that so that we could hear, welcome home, my child. Not based on anything that we've done, but what Christ has fully done in our place. And he says, brother, sister, he says that it's God who is going to work in you both to will, that's the desire that maybe you're not feeling today, and to work. He's going to actually enable you to do this. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. And no matter what the score looks like in the fourth quarter, it's not over. There's victory available in him. And but we also, we look forward to his second coming. Because maybe you find yourself this Christmas kind of doing your own thing. You've maybe even slowly and subtly drifted into being your own boss again, your own king again, doing it your way. And maybe today's the day to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Because we're not the boss. We're not the king. We don't call the shots in our lives. We have a good king that each of us one day is going to give an account to. And as we read in, in the Chronicles of Narnia, he's a good king, but he's not safe. And he's certainly not to be trifled with. Today's the day to work out our salvation with fear and with trembling. Maybe you're in this room today and you haven't bowed the knee to Jesus. You haven't confessed him as Savior and King. I'm glad you're here. We welcome anybody into this room, as long as you're not like an immediate threat, right? We're glad you're here. But the, the, what I want you from you in your life is not just to enjoy some cookies and have a nice photo booth afterward. I want you to know Jesus. And I want you to trust that this lion is coming back one day. And, and let this be a sober wake-up call in this moment that, that his coming will only be joyful for you if you receive him as king right now. Like we're not going to rejoice in the lion's return if, if we don't believe in the lamb that was slain for us in the first advent. But I also want to invite you, friend, into the good news of Jesus' death on your behalf and his resurrection victory over the grave the good news is that no one's losing the game by too much to be outside of his comeback victory on your behalf. So my call to each one of us today is that our hearts would prepare him room and that we each would anticipate the day when every single one of our knees is going to be on, is going to be genuflecting before King Jesus. And every single one of our tongues is going to acknowledge that he is the real King and Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? Father God, man, I just... 
It doesn't take very long to look in my own life, to look into the lives of those that are close around me. I'm sitting across from them in my office talking about hard things and knowing that even all those are just a scratch on the surface. Father, there are people in this room today experiencing brokenness, heartache, sin that I have no idea about. Father, you do. We come to this Christmas season as we are, as we sang earlier. And my prayer, my prayer for each heart in this room today is they would see the lamb as he is slain on their behalf and see the lion as he is who has defeated their sin and death and the grave and Satan on their behalf. And that with joy, we would anticipate him coming back and bringing peace on earth, making all the wrong things right and making all the dark things light. So, Father, this weary world, would you enable us by your grace to rejoice in the newborn king and in the king of the lion of Judah that's going to return one day. May our hearts in response in these next few minutes by faith, see Jesus as he is and cause in our hearts a deep joy and peace in this most wonderful time and sometimes the hardest time of the year. We pray these things in the name of the lamb that was slain, in the name of the lion that was risen, and all God's people said,